Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. Welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I will be speaking with Project Spurs Director of Digital Content, Joe Garcia. In this episode, Joe and I will discuss the Spurs through 16 games, a Jakob Pertl trade rumor, and Jeremy Sohan's start to his rookie season. Let's go to jump right into this episode with Joe. Joe, how you doing? Doing good, man. Just trying to stay warm here in San Antonio because it is a little chilly and it's going to get colder, uh, just like the Spurs right now. They've been a little cold because they haven't won a game for a little bit, so hopefully that can turn around for us. Yeah, the Spurs have been a bit chilly, like you mentioned there, Joe. They're in the midst of a three-game losing streak. But let's go to jump right into this episode with Joe. So, Joe, let's talk about the last four games since I last recorded a Spurs cast. The team is one in three in these last four games. Uh, let's go back to to last week. The Spurs were were playing the Milwaukee Bucks in San Antonio. It was their final um, home game before they went on this West Coast road trip. They got an 18 point win, San Antonio, um, and they were favored by two points in this game. And one of the big reasons why is because the Bucks were missing three of their best players. They were missing Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. So you expected the Spurs to win, and they did a good job, and they won there. Then the three-game losing streak starts on the West Coast. So uh, it begins earlier this week where they lose um, at Golden State by 37 points. Uh, Golden State was favored by 8.5. We do want to note that Trey Jones was out, and so this was a blowout for San Antonio, blowout loss. Then the next night on the second night of a back-to-back, the Spurs lost by 7 to Portland in Portland. The Blazers were favored by eight and a half. This was a really competitive game for San Antonio. They really stuck in there. And it, it really went down to the wire until those final five minutes the Spurs' youth showed. And they kind of collapsed there in crunch time, which is kind of what you expect from a young ball club. So they ended up losing by seven. Then the most recent game was on Thursday. The Spurs traveled to Sacramento. They lose by 18 points. But don't buy into that, that number because it was actually a competitive game for the first two quarters. The Spurs were in there through three quarters. Then in that final quarter, Sacramento started off with a 13-3 run, and they really ballooned that lead in San Antonio. Uh, you know, it was basically out of the game. At that point, we do want to note, though, that Keldon Johnson was out with injury, and so was D- Doug McDermott for that game against Sacramento. And so, you know, this is the Spurs are starting to become that team that Vegas kind of projected at the beginning of the season. They were supposed to go 1-3 and three this week, according to Vegas, and they did go 1-3. and three. Uh, Through 16 games now, Joe, they are 25th on offense, the Spurs, 30th dead last on defense. Uh, they have the 29th net rating in the league. And then they are 6-10 and 10 overall, 13th out west, and they are on the midst of a three-game losing streak. So what are your thoughts about this team this past week, how they've, how they've been performing? Oh, man, this past week, it's uh, it's been a little bit of a – Growing pains, you know, for not just mm-hmm. the team, but I think uh, Spurs fans in general. Uh, they were really high on the team, you know, saying, hey, you better watch out. They might just play around with the, <laughs> with the playing game, flirting with that playing game. But I, I knew things could, would kind of level off because just history tells us when you have a young team, you're going to have that inexperience. And I think that's what we've seen out of the last couple of games here uh, for the San Antonio Spurs, especially in crunch time, as you have pointed out. Two yeah. and was it two and four now in crunch time situations? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Portland game is in, in particular. I thought they played uh, a, a beautiful game. You know, they were very competitive through every single quarter. You know, it wasn't like hey, they were just blown out of the water. They had to dig themselves out of a huge hole. They were right there with the Portland Trailblazers uh, from the defensive end. You know, uh, sticking with them, and I, I think it was really impressive watching one Jeremy Sohan 
uh, have to guard one Damian Lillard, and he was able to hold his own, and he did a, a really good job out there. And you got to remind yourself, he's a 19-year-old rookie at that, you know, being able to to be uh, defending some of the best uh, players in the NBA. Um, and, you know, they just got away from them in that in crunch time. You know, they just were not able to close out the Blazers. And again, the inexperience reared its ugly head, and it, it, it is what it is, you know. They let one slip away. Then you look to see what happened with the Kings again. They got were starting to get, you know, uh, really behind the ball there early on. There was a, a 12 to 2 lead in the first quarter from the Kings. Spurs, they got right back into it by the end of the first quarter. Very competitive second quarter, very competitive again in the third quarter. And looking like, hey, they're going to take the lead and they might actually, you know, wind up getting a win out on the road in Sacramento. It was not to be. The fourth quarter came around and they, the Kings just went on a, a run and that's all she wrote. Coach Pop, I think, kind of waved the flag and said, all right, we're going to go ahead and start resting everybody and start giving some some players some garbage minutes, and it is what it is. But I think the the one thing that we can go ahead and focus on here, it's just the Spurs and their inexperience. I mean, I think Yaka Portal said it best, Paul, at one, in one of the games that they lost. I think it was against uh, the the Kings when I was watching the post game, and he said it, and one of the other players said it uh, in the post game against the Blazers. They're tired of losing. You know, they know that they can win these close games. It's just, you know, frustrating to them because they know that they're letting the the game slip away from them because, once again, an experience rears its ugly head. So that is one thing they definitely need to correct. And you would hope that they would learn from their mistakes and yeah. where down the line here, they're going to go ahead and be more competitive in crunch time situations in that fourth quarter. And I think that's basically sums up what we've seen since the beginning of the season they just can't close out games, you know, effectively. Um, so hopefully they can become a little bit more consistent, but that's kind of my observation. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of just like what you said. I mean, it was like that early um, record that they had to start the season, you know, that kind of threw everybody off. It's like, Oh wow, the Spurs are not going to be, you know, this bad team that's, you know, going to end up with a bad record out West. And no, it's kind of becoming, like we said, what Vegas kind of thought, you know, actually I was running the numbers as you were speaking a while ago and they're still projected with 31 games, which it's still, you know, it's not enough to be in a play in game, but it's enough to pass that 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 22 wins by Vegas early on in the season. And, and just like you said, Joe, you know, the, that crunch time, it's going to happen with these young players. I mean, we just go back to that last game where they were in a crunch time situation where, you know, Keldon had three turn turnovers there in the final uh, four minutes of the game. And then even this team, they really have to 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 really battle hard for, for all four quarters. If they just have one bad quarter, they could really fall out of a game like we saw against Sacramento. And the way that I'm looking at this is I, I listen to Coach Pop's comments a lot, and he really hasn't been negative about this team. He's kind of been very positive, especially even like just last in Sacramento he says you know they played really well they tried their, their best and it's just you know he kind of knows what the expectation is for this team he, he, uh, you know it's it's been very rare that he like you know he has negative feedback for them it's, it's usually only on those nights where they have blowout losses where he's really saying anything bad about the team so yeah I mean this is kind of like, like I said what we expect I'm still surprised that the defense isn't as good as the offense I mean that's really surprising uh you know they're just teams are just shooting lights out against this team from from all over the floor and so that's something that, that I'm interested to watch. But and also one thing to know too is is uh, I've talked to to other um, uh, um, uh, writers about this from from other sites. I had Bruno Passos and um, and Josh Paredes on on the on the Spurs cast recently, and we talked about how you know the Spurs are not you know you know they're not taking any chances with injuries. Anybody has like anything sore, they're going to rest those players, and so that's going to also lead to losses. Because like this next game on Saturday against the Clippers, they they already have multiple players ro rotation players that are on the probable or questionable list. So yeah. Um, that's just something I wanted to note. 
All right, Joe, let's go to our second topic here. And this is a Yaka Pertle trade rumor that came out earlier this week. I do want to give credit to hoop, hoopshype.com. That's where I got this, this rumor from. Uh, they, they listened to a podcast from, from Brian Windhorst of ESPN recently. And Windhorst, um, you know, who's very plugged into the league, said on a podcast that, that Yaka Pertle's name has come up in Boston trade rumors if the, the Celtics are seeking a defensive big. Windhorst also said that the Spurs may want to keep Pertle. Uh, they they couldn't come to an agreement um, on an extension with him before the season started. But if they don't trade him, then there's a chance maybe before free agency starts they could extend him. And I think Joe, you and I have talked about this. How they, I think they have the date to like June 30th to to make to to figure out an extension. So again, if they don't trade Jakob in fit by February, there's a chance the Spurs can end up just you know just signing him long term uh, uh, this this off season. Now, what would a a potential deal look like for the Celtics uh, and the Spurs if that had to happen we most likely need to wait until after december 15th because that is when Danilo gallinari who has the the the, uh, the biggest salary that the, that the celtics are probably willing to trade uh because he's out for the season on the injury list uh, at 6.4 million so he can't be traded because he signed it as a free agent this offseason so so that's why we we're saying december 15th and if you really get gallinari and any of the celtics rotation um you know back end rotation players like like maybe peyton Pritchard or Blake Griffin or uh, Luke Cornett, Noah Vonley or Justin Jackson, and you would have to guarantee their deals. Either one of those players plus Gallinari uh, could 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 uh, make the salaries work to get Pirtle. And then Boston has a plethora of picks. I mean, they have a 24 first round pick, 25, 26, 27, 29. And, and again, for the Spurs, they're like, hey, you're taking one of our top players here. So, you know, how many picks are you giving up? And I think that's the question is, you know, can the Spurs get two for him? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe the Celtics only want to give one. And we know that these teams have, um, you know, they've worked together because they just made that trade last year with Josh Richardson and Derek White and all those players um, last year. And then also something notable is uh, Zach Lowe. He didn't mention that that um, a specific team has interest in Pirtle, uh, but but he did mention that teams are calling. You know, about, they're going to be calling this year about Doug McDermott and Jakob Pirtle. So we definitely know that Pirtle's name and McDermott will be in the trade rumors. What is what are your thoughts, Joe, on this on this trade between the Celtics and Spurs? Oh man, the trade rumors between uh, just you know just surrounding the San Antonio Spurs started in the off season. Uh, yes. Jakob Pirtle's names come up, Josh Richardson's names come up, and J- Doug McDermott, which we knew. Uh, this was going to happen just, you know, from us being analysts, uh, just, you know, seeing what's unfolding here because they're the veterans, you know, and the veterans are always valuable to a team, you know, so you, they don't uh, teams don't necessarily want to overpay for veterans, but they mm-hmm. know that the Spurs are looking to rebuild for their future. So they know that picks are very attractive uh, to one San Antonio Spurs. And also knowing the the position that the Spurs are in with these particular players and the expiring contracts, particularly with, particularly with Yaka Portal. Uh, Yaka Portal, uh, by him not buying in, you know, and saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and take a you know first deal that comes at me. I think that kind of says that he might be contemplating his future with the San Antonio Spurs, meaning he might want to go ahead and test the free agency waters and the Spurs could actually lose him for nothing if they don't go right out and trade him. So you have that particular conundrum here that they have to contemplate. Do they go ahead and, and write it out and see if they can go ahead and offer him a comparable deal? Because the deal that he was offered um, prior to this was a hometown discount. I think right now he's showing that he's a little bit uh uh, worth a little bit more than just the hometown discount. He's really shown um, an uptick in his offensive game and his ability just to go out there and be a versatile uh, center uh, shows that, you know, other teams are taking notice of that as well. And then his 31 point outing that he had just a, a couple nights ago too uh, really rose his stock. So I think the Spurs are going to listen. And if they find a deal that they cannot uh, say no to, 
they're going to go ahead and pull the trigger. And unfortunately, if the San Antonio Spurs were to lose uh, their starting center in one Yaka portal, uh, the team will really be in dire straits because Yaka portal, I believe, is the glue that really holds that, you know, starting unit together because the little things, the intangibles that he does out there on the court, he's great at setting screens, setting picks. He can pass the ball. He's uh, decent enough in the paint, you know, he can go ahead and hold his own when it comes to trying to get a rebound, little tip in, you know, tip ins here and there. And also he think he's done a better job of recognizing the mismatches that he has in the situations where he can go ahead and overtake his defender. You know, I noticed that in the Portland game and I kind of noticed that again in the Sacramento games when they come off and they switch on him and he has an undersized player. He's taking advantage of those situations. So it shows his growth as a player. His IQ has increased. Um, Doug McDermott, he's showing that he's great coming off that bench. And I'm sure that a lot of other teams will find that very valuable uh, for for their benches to bring that balance to their teams. Uh, He brings a lot of veteran experience. He moves well without the ball, can knock down a three. isn't you know let's say he doesn't excel on defense but he's he's versatile enough to you know maybe go ahead and and stay with the defender um and then just you know that veteran leadership again is something that a lot of these other teams are going to be really looking for so it doesn't surprise me that they're both their names are out there on the trading block right now as far as being thrown out in, in rumor situations uh you just you just know something's going to happen paul uh, before the trade deadline. And I, I think Spurs fans need to prepare themselves to say bye-bye to some of these veteran players. You know, unfortunately it is the nature of the business. Yeah. And especially the, with the trend that they're having right now, you know, three game losing streak again, uh, six and 10 overall and 13th out the West. I mean, this is kind of, you know, why, why are you going to have these players on the team if you're not going to, you know, be a, a ball club, you know, competing for the playoffs or, or the playing tournament. And you made a great point there, Joe, the fact that Jakob is on a, on a, um, on the last year of his deal, which means that that's kind of the give and take is between the, in those negotiations between the Spurs and whoever they're going to trade him to. If they do trade him, it's because, you know, they, that those teams can say, okay, we don't want to give up two first round picks, maybe just one because he's on an expiring deal and he's an unrestricted free agent, meaning he can sign this all season wherever he wants. So, so yeah, so that's just something to watch. And like Joe said, I, you know, I agree. Um, I think these rumors will definitely heat up as the season goes along as we get closer to February. And again, if the Spurs and Celtics do want to make a deal, the most likely scenario would be that Gallinari has to be included. And for that to happen, that wouldn't, ha- that would not be able to happen until after December 15th, so about a month from now. So again, that's just something I, to watch. I also think that Gallinari, if they, if that the trade goes through, he'll never see the court here in San Antonio. He'll be waived immediately. Yeah, I mean, that'll be the second time. He's actually still, I think he's still on the payroll for the Spurs from, from the first <laughs> league. Yeah, yeah, he is actually getting paid right now by San Antonio. So, yeah. Anyway, I mean, yeah. So, so um, yeah, that's just something to watch again. And, and again, like we said, these these rumors will continue to to, to um, happen as the season go along, goes along uh, with the Spurs team, especially if they're continuing to struggle. All right, Joe, now let's go through our, our next topic here. And this and I am going to project some stats because there's a lot, lot here that I want to show to the audience that, that watches this visually. So let's, let's do a deep dive now on Jeremy Sohan. Um, now that he's he's played in 15 games for his rookie start, let's let's just go. Uh, let's, let's first start on the offensive end, and then we'll go to the defensive end. So he's now played in 15 games for the team. He's averaging 25 minutes, so he's definitely you know the starter there at the four. He's averaging eight points, and these stats are rounded: eight points, four rebounds, two assists. Uh, I don't know why the one steals in there and one turnover. Uh, he actually one one thing that's interesting to me is that Coach Pop has been trusting him and putting him in crunch time situations in all six crunch time games. Sohan has been a part of all six of those games, so Pop definitely wants him getting that experience of being in a close game, a tight game, even though the, the team is, is struggling. Now, as far as what he's doing in crunch time, he's three of three from the floor, all in, all inside scoring. He has zero assists and one turnover. Again, that's just, it's only six games. Uh, one thing I noticed was that you mentioned how Jakob Pertl is the, the post-up player that they go to some, 
sometimes. Sohead's actually the second player who has the most post-ups on this team. He only has 10, which is a small sample size. But again, he's he's second. They're letting him run a little bit of post-ups. And when he does get the post-ups, he actually passes out. So he's definitely being um, a, a playmaker on offense for this team. Shooting-wise, uh, he's for, I've been really impressed with with just his his um his efficiency near the rim. He's doing he does a really good job of, of rolling and, and getting those um those alley-oop attempts from his teammates. He's building a chemistry with them. When he does drive, he's getting, he's making sure to take the shots close to the rim. And so we see that here in the data where 41% of his shots come come right near the rim and, he, and he's scoring very efficiently. He's only missed nine shots all year, 31 of 42. His outside shot and, and his jumper, we expected this. I mean, he was not a player who came in with the jumper. We, we knew that this is going to take time. So I, I don't, I didn't even really pay attention too much to the three-point numbers. Um, so again, he, we, we do know that, he, that he's struggling from the three. He's uh, the 34% of his shots come from three. Uh, he's not efficient at the three-point shot. And, and of course, we know that defenses leave him wide open because that's his, that's his one area of weakness on offense. Um, so 77% of his threes are attempted wide open. And he had, he's only made five of 27. But again, I'm not paying too much attention to shooting in year one because, because again, that was kind of something we expected. We expect him to get better um, maybe in the offseason or, or as, as the season progresses. Uh, these are just some stats I wanted to dig up, you know, just looking at how does he compare to other forwards in the league who play his position, you know, league-wide. So here's some 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 stats on offense. Uh, he's His assist to usage rate is um, in the 66th percentile amongst forwards. That's, pre that's pretty impressive, you know, uh, better than league average. Uh, 83rd percentile amongst forwards and rim frequency. So his shot attempts at the rim, he's in the 83rd percentile compared to players at his position. He's in the 90th percentile elite, elite territory here among forwards and rim accuracy. So again, he's finishing very well, like I mentioned, um, compared to other players at his position. And then he's in the 64th percentile and offensive rebound percentage among forwards what are your thoughts joe on jeremy sohan's offense so far this year uh it is what it is at this point you know like, like i was telling spurs fans if they go back and they even look at the scouting report prior to the nba draft occurring that was one of his areas of weakness however when he played with baylor he was not known for his offensive prowess. you know uh there's aspects of his game that you you know truly love which is one his ability to move without the ball you know, we've seen him be able to move really well out there on the court without the ball, sneaking mm -hmm. away from his defender, uh, doing some cuts, you know, and getting alley-oops. And as you said, his near-the-rim efficiency uh, really speaks of a, a strength of his game. You know, his outside shot really isn't much to be desired. You know, his 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 mid-range jumpers, his uh, three-point three point attempts, you know, from beyond the arc. Uh, he takes wide-open threes, and again, you know, defenses aren't really trusting him to make that shot and they kind of slack off of him a little bit and dare him to shoot and he's taken a lot of wide open threes and they've been off the mark and you can tell that he doesn't shoot it with confidence and that's okay because he's just a rookie right now he's 19 years old it's not to say that he cannot develop that shot as he gets a little bit later on in his career you know everybody has something that they need to work on and i'm sure he'll work on that in the off season but from what you're seeing from jeremy sohan in his rookie season I mean, it, it, he is what he is, you know, and the, in the paint, great. <laughs> Outside of the paint, when he's shooting, you don't really trust him in those situations. And I think that's why he looks a little awkward out there when he gets past the ball and he's at the top of the key and he's looking to pass immediately. He's like, he doesn't even trust himself to take that shot, you know. <laughs> but if you get him in an ISO situation where he's driving to the rim, as we did see in this other this game, he can posterize some people. I mean, he can get up there and he can dunk the ball. And you got to admire that about Jeremy Sohan is he is not afraid. He's got a lot of guts. He's got a lot of courage. And I think that's what Coach Pop really admires about this rookie. And I think Spurs fans tend to forget that we're talking about Sohan getting uh, meaningful minutes 
in his rookie season. And not only at that, Paul, but starting, you know, that speaks Mm -hmm. a lot of the trust uh, factor there that, you know, the coaching staff and one coach pop has in Jeremy Sohan. You love everything that you're seeing out of your rookie right now. And I think his high energy level out there on the defensive end, you know, speaks volumes about him. I mean, the kid is a hard worker, man. And you just love his, his energy out there on the court. So Look forward to seeing more and more out of Jeremy Sohan this season. But Spurs fans need to be a little patient with him. His offensive game can develop. It's just not there yet. And, and you know, it, it wasn't there in college. So that's not something that comes natural to him. So a little patience there. Yeah, you, you brought up a good point. And, and it's the fact that, he, you know, he's not taking, uh, you know, bad shots in terms of like, like if we just look here, I, I was just, you know, doing the math here. 27, 27 of his threes have been wide open. And that means, and he's taken 35 total. So, you know, he's only, he's only you know, taken eight that are, that are not wide open. So again, he's not forcing them. These are threes that are totally wide open. It's probably at the end of a shot clock when, you know, that's all, you know, but he has to shoot it. You know, he's, he's, he's right there. And another good sign there is that his pull-up threes, because that's how you can tell he's not forcing it. If, if he was yeah. taking way more pull-up threes and still missing them all, he's only taking one. So again, it's, it's definitely when he does have to take three, I know he's not making them very well, but, uh, but again, he's, he's at least uh, taking those, only those wide open ones. He's not, it's not like he's forcing, forcing those kind of shots, you know, and wasting a possession. So yeah, so that's so so on offense, and again, like you said, Joe, you know that's just that, that wasn't an area of, of his game that, that from college that he came in with that was going to be a strength for him. Now let's look at his defense. Um, so his defense, some of his defense numbers. Again, these are stats that are rounded. His uh, he has three fouls per game, one steal, and one block when you when you round them per thirty six minutes. Um, he has he, he averages two point three deflections. Eight and a half contested shots and four point four rebounds, and then as far as compared to other forwards in the league, according to Cleaning the Glass, uh, he's in the sixty fourth percentile on block percentage amongst forwards. What are your thoughts on his defense so far this year? You know, again, you know, I just said, you know, I, I like that part of his game. I think that's really why the San Antonio Spurs selected him, you know, mm-hmm. to come in how come into come to the team and really help them uh, jump make that leap in on defense because we've seen that the team has played a little bit better defensive wise you know from the eye test now the stats might tell you something different but when you're looking at it from the eye test and a lot of spurs fans have told me this on social media you know hey you know the spurs despite what you know the stats are telling you the eye test shows that they're a little bit more active out there on the court and i gotta agree with some of these fans you know um they know what they're talking about when you're looking at the game and you're just enjoying it uh, from a fan perspective, the, the team is a little bit more active because they're younger. You know, they're able to keep up with a lot of these teams out there from the defensive end. The only problem is that they still let these teams take a lot of uncontested threes. You know, uh, they get in trouble when it comes to transition defense. And I've seen that out of this, you know, young team as well. Jeremy Sohan, too, he's 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 not a stranger to that as well. You know, he still gets caught up sometimes with the mismatch coming back, trying to get back in transition three. I mean, transition to the transition defense and and trying to get catch up with his defenders. Sometimes they get a little, you know, you know, I guess complacent there and they might be a second or two late rotating uh, to their defenders. So, again, they take shots wide open. Sometimes they're able to get past uh past the Spurs defense and, and including Jeremy Sohan with just a simple pick or a screen, you know, it happens. I mean, these are things that uh, rookies are going to have to get used to, you know, uh, playing uh, in these types of, you know, elite levels when it comes to really good teams out there on the court and having to go ahead and, and guess, counteract those defensive schemes. Uh, from what you're seeing, though, the mechanics out of one Jeremy Sohan are the things that you really like to see. High energy player, Moves really well out there on the court, very active all the time. Uh, doesn't make a lot of mistakes out there, but he does make some. 
In particular, you're seeing some of these games that he has a high, a high um, amount of fouls, you yeah. know, uh, and those are some, that's just something he's going to have to learn that, you know, as the game comes to him, those are things that he's just going to have to get better with. And, and he, I think he understands it too, because you can see when he gets frustrated, when he makes these, you know, little ticky tacky fouls that, oh man, I, he defended quite well, but at the end, you just get a little too close or you get a little handsy and it's just a stupid little foul brush of the hand or a brush of the, the elbow or the forearm. And there you go. You're sending your defender to the line and you you played a beautiful game against him as far as the defense goes. And I, those, I think those are just little things that, that Jeremy Sohan is going to have to work through. But one of the things that I do commend him for is he doesn't really buy into the ball fakes a lot. I've seen a lot of these guys out there, especially these veterans, they try to get him to bite with that ball fake and he doesn't fall for it. He mm -hmm. stays right with them. He makes them play an honest game, but they still get him, you know, when they're being aggressive or they're trying to go ahead and pull back, you know, with the pull up jumper and he still gets him on the elbow or the, the hand or the forearm, like I was saying, and he's just got to get better when he's controlling, uh, at controlling that, you know, when he's defending, but the mechanics for Jeremy Sohan, He's looking like he's going to be one of the better defenders that the San Antonio Spurs have right now in their arsenal. So look forward to seeing how he uh, blossoms as as the season wanes on. Yeah, and like just one thing I was going to mention is just like, and, it, and it's a thing like you mentioned, Joe, that stats don't really measure. It's like it's just his versatility. We saw against the Warriors. I, I know that you know it was a tough night for him, but Pop put him on Steph Curry. I mean, that's the thing. Like he's give, he's putting him on, yeah. on point guards at times, and and again, Pop's giving him that 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 like what he I guess what you would call like an education, like letting him learn how to play against some of these elite players and that's good for for being 19 years old and getting that experience of guarding one of the best players in the league you know uh, you know uh you know in Stephen Curry and so get, again getting that kind of experience and then we see him out how he can play different positions how he's very flexible like you mentioned Joe he covers a lot of area on the floor of the defensive end um if they want to run like like zones they can use him in different ways if they want to run like like half court or full court traps they can use him because he's, he's so he's so flexible and, and versatile um out there as a, as a defender so yeah I think that uh, that's just something to watch too and it's and it's really good though even though you know the team may not be successful uh, him as a rookie, he's actually getting a really good, um, you know, uh, learning experience out there on the court. Um, so yeah, so that's Sohan, and and, and again, it's a good thing. To, again, we're seeing him get uh, real minutes in these games, and, and he's also started there uh, for San Antonio. Okay, so now for our next topic, we do want to provide an update on the Dr. Um, Hillary Cawthon, San Antonio Spurs, and Josh Primo legal dispute update. So there was an update on Thursday. Uh, on Thursday, Tony Busby, the attorney for Dr. Cawthon, he confirmed to the San Antonio Express News that there has been a settlement reached with the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Dr. Cawthon, um, according to, to, to the uh, the records of, of the Bear County, um, uh, uh, I guess, office, um, you know, the, yeah, yeah the, the courthouse, basically. Uh, Dr. Cawthon did drop um, the suit against the Spurs only. So we do want to know it, it, the suit was only dropped against the Spurs, so not against uh, Josh Primo, according to, to what was written there. Uh, and with prejudice, uh, and this means that she can refile the, the lawsuit like in the future against the Spurs, at, at least the Spurs only. And so this is for, per the reporting of Tom Orsborne of the San Antonio Express News. And then also on Thursday, uh, R.C. Buford, the, um, of, of the Spurs Sports and Entertainment CEO, he, he, he uh, issued this statement. I'll go ahead and read it now. The situation regarding Josh Primo is a matter we take seriously. Since learning of the allegations, we have taken and are taking measures to ensure that all parties involved are treated with dignity and respect. We owe, we know we owe that to Dr. Cawthon, our players, our staff, and our community. As an organization, we are continuously evaluating and refining our processes so they ultimately reflect the values and culture of who we aspire to be every day. To that end, we have decided to collaborate with Dr. Cawthon and other experts in an effort to review and improve our workplace processes and procedures. 
This is a learning opportunity for us and one that we are certain will make us better moving forward. So that is an update right now on what is going on with the uh, with the legal dispute between um, Dr. Cawthon, the Spurs, and Josh Primo. And like, and like we said, it's uh, with the Spurs and Dr. Cawthon, they're not going to start collaborating, um, uh, you know, w- w- and they have reached a settlement here. All right. So thanks to Joe for joining me on this episode of the Spurs cast. I also want to thank you to Joe for, for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day. See you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.